Welcome, everyone. This is all about Windows Phone Insight Podcast 184, recording this on Tuesday, the 28th of June 2016. I'm Steve Litchfield. With me, I have Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Yes, good to be back for another Insight Podcast. Uh, given that we've had a bit of a gap, 10 days, got quite a bit to get through. We've had some really great hardware content on the site. All credit to Steve for that. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be touching on that later in the podcast. Also, there is software updates, some of which I think is particularly exciting. So, uh, great. Let's let's get going, Steve, because a uh, lot to get through. Well, at the la- end of the last podcast, we did tease the fact that there might be an all about Windows Phone universal Windows platform application, a UWP, and that's this has now arrived. People go to site. Yes, yes. Uh, Joe Blumenau, who uh, visited me here at my house, and we did a short introductory video just to introduce him and what he's been creating. And if you go and look at that story now, as we record this podcast, there's a link. Uh, through to a hidden URL in the Windows Store, a private link, and you can then try it out in beta form. We're hoping that in the next day or two, once all the background feeds have been sorted out, we'll have a full formal announcement on the front page of the site, and hopefully people can then enjoy all about Windows Phone Rafe in a dark theme, and all those people with (laughs) AMOLED screens will save uh, milliamp hours of battery power. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's great to see this. Um, there are still a few technical issues, which are entirely down to me to uh, fix out on just sorting out some of the, the feeds and how the uh, content arrives in the app. So actually, apologies for me that I haven't quite sorted that out. Hopefully that will get sorted in the next day or so. But have a look at the story. And if you're really keen to give it a download, there is actually, I believe, a, a download link hidden in the comments thread. And Joe's actually been answering a whole bunch of questions about how he's put the app together. Um Actually, it speaks to the flexibility of the UWP system, but also the ability to kind of ingest HTML content. Really quite impressive. Um, you know, we've had several people ask us for the UWP app, and to my shame, I sort of said, it, it's not a priority and put out a call for help. And, and Joe stepped forward. So it, it, just a enormous thank you to him. And I think it's a really great piece of work. It's also a great example of how kind of you can have a content-led UWP app that makes sense across phone, tablet, and and desktop. So, you know, it's interesting. We've obviously had a lot of positive comments in that thread as well. People are glad to see it. We'll always welcome more feedback on that. You can leave that in the comment threads or email us directly. But uh, it's really exciting news, eh, Steve? Yeah, yeah. We also trailed very briefly that there was a, a Facebook, a Facebook first party UWP that was, had been launched. That's actually a, up now and people can try that. It's in public beta and you do have to kind of fiddle around with your region settings on the phone because they're obviously trying it out in some regions, not others. But it's, I've found out, Rafe, it's surprisingly easy to hack the system just by setting your phone's region to say USA or France downloading the application and then changing your region back. You do have to restart the phone each time, but that's a fairly small inconvenience. And once you've installed this app that you're not supposed to get access to, all the updates just happen automatically, no matter what region you're in. So it's it's proving quite a flexible little hack, really. And I do urge people to go and gra- have a look at the new Facebook app because it's, a, it is, it's rather good, really. I'm not a huge Facebook fan, but what they've done is quite slick and it, and it fits in very well with the uh, the... the Microsoft and the Windows UWP design language. So highly recommended. 
Yeah, I've not actually tried this one out myself, mainly because I couldn't go to the hassle of changing over the regional settings and everything like that. But as you say, it is very easy. Maybe not quite as easy, easy as uh, sideloading the APK files on Android, but certainly it's a bit easier than to get things off uh, kind of the regional iOS uh, app stores. Um, and, you know, I, I guess we shouldn't advocate doing that officially, but it's a pretty easy workaround that seems to work fairly seamlessly. Uh, and sort of regionally locking apps seems a slightly pointless endeavor to me. I assume in this case, it's about kind of getting feedback from a, a relatively select audience and, you know, maybe they're, you know, look to tune it before doing kind of uh, a wider release. But obviously Facebook is always going to be one of those very popular applications and, you know, I think the current uh, Facebook app that you know, obviously put together by uh, by Microsoft, obviously with some help from Facebook, is pretty good as well. But, you know, something like that flagship app really should be taking advantage of what is the flagship way of doing apps on, on Windows. And that's all about UWP. We talk lots and lots about the benefit of them. And obviously it's going to become a, a lot more evident to more people if they can try it with some of the really big name apps and you know, apart from obviously the stuff that's built in and things like Office, Facebook is really about as big as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Just looking down my store recent activity list, and this is just a plug really that if you have been keeping up with the uh, insider Redstone builds, the fastering, um, the, the store client working with that build actually not only gives you for example, what updates are available. It actually logs everything with version numbers and when it was updated. And you can look back at any point in your history and it's really, really quite slick. There are a couple of niggles in the fact that you get these the, the busy circling dots rather too much, but I'm sure Microsoft's on that. But just to emphasize really the, the amount of inertia and uh, a number of UWPs that are being created and updated. Um, just just running down my list here. This is just the last last 48 hours on my Lumia 950XL. OneDrive, Twitter, Tweetium, Aries, Newsflow, um, Popcorn Flicks, which was, uh, again, another region-hacked one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the AAWP, of course, Universal, we've just mentioned that. Deezer Music, QR Scanner Plus, that's an excellent app, a, mess a Facebook Messenger beta, which is a slightly different application. Uh, all of those updated in the last couple of days, really. So there's, if you've got a fair amount loaded, there's quite a lot going on, and especially as we approach this anniversary update official release, which is now slated for August the 2nd, I understand, which is about five to six weeks away, I suspect Microsoft will only accelerate the number of, so certainly the first party built-in applications that get updated, tweaked, bugged, fixed, and whatever. And of course, the third parties are all coming on board as well. They want to be part of this big new push. And uh, yes, we've been saying that uh, Redstone's now taken Windows 10 Mobile back to maybe only 97% complete, <laughs> but it's but it's exciting. It's, it's an incomplete and an exciting way, Ray, if I put it to you. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with all of that. Um, you know, the list of UWP apps is definitely getting longer and it's nice to see some big names on here. I, I think we still have to be somewhat realistic and say it's relative to everything else that's out there in terms of other platforms and number of apps available there. But in the sense of, you know, if you compare it to when Windows 10 launched, clearly there's a lot more available and if you're someone that is taking advantage of things like Continuum, it, it is going to make a big difference to the way you experience uh, Windows 10, and as we're going to talk about with some new hardware. I actually expect more people to be doing that in the future. And we've sort of talked before about how it's a vision that actually is really fairly unique to Microsoft and very compelling. And so having all these UWP apps is a, is a great thing. Now, it is worth saying that just because it's a UWP app doesn't always mean it works seamlessly across all devices because that still has to be coded in. But it does seem to me that when we see these UWP apps, 
almost, I, I don't want to put a percentage figure on it because it's hard to guess, that most of them do seem to have this great support across all device types. And when they don't, there's often quite a good reason for that. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I think it's pleasantly surprising to see this kind of momentum and obviously talking of the difference between threshold and redstone. Um, you know, actually this is going to be one of the quickest updates that adds fairly significant new features that I can remember in Windows Phone and then now obviously Windows 10 mobile history. You know, yes, there was a point at which we were seeing kind of slightly more frequent updates, but they were very much point releases. This feels a little bit bigger. Um, and so the kind of the promise of continuous updates really has uh, has come alive. And, you know, Windows 10, I think the, the advent of these UWP apps, um, you know, Microsoft talked about it a lot and it didn't get picked up by many of the reviews. And I think it is probably one of the unheralded aspects because it sort of come at the same time as obviously the wider view of the Windows ecosystem shutting down. And we talked about that, you know, that's absolutely true. It's, you know, not a consumer platform in the way we would refer to Android and iOS. But it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be some recognition of the fact that actually it's a really interesting idea. And I think it adds a significant amount of value. It's just probably underplayed because of what's happened in the wider kind of the wider story of Windows Phone and Windows 10 Mobile. Um, so I do expect to see more attention to pay to it in the future. And, you know, honestly, from all the things that I've seen, it does seem the model that makes most sense for having that consistent app experience across different device types. And, uh, you know, the way I see things is actually services and brands are moving to a world where you're intrinsically multi-device. And what I mean by that is you expect to have that continuity of experience of data of the way things work between multiple devices. And, and some services are very good at doing that and actually extends beyond devices. If you think about something like Spotify, you know, having access to your stream music across all your different smartphone operating systems on your desktop, on the web, through a Sonos speaker. I just think that is going to become the norm. And actually the approach that Microsoft has taken from a, a technical or an architecture point of view is just one of the most elegant and graceful that I've seen. And there's been, you know, a lot of discussion about this over the years. It's not without its limitations, and we, we've talked about some of those. Um, but I think you can recognise that apart from the relative merits or success of the the platform itself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I enough wobb waffling on there, Rafe. Enough wibbling about the bush. We have <laughs> come to some hard hardware, some exciting hardware. Ooh, yes. Um, a, a which has been kind of leaked, and B which has been kind of dem demonstrated to us. So let's just start with the the Alcatel one first, Rafe. Now this is based on the uh, Alcatel um, powered Android powered Idle Four S, and we had significant leaks now of the Al. Alcatel Idle Pro 4, which looks very tasty indeed. The specs aren't that different, actually, to the Lumia 950 and 950 XL. I mean, the screen isn't quite as high resolution. Do go and have a look at the story on the site if you're wondering what we're talking about. The Alcatel Idle Pro 4, it's in the, the flow column. Um, Snapdragon 824 gig of RAM, 5.5 inch 1080p AMOLED display, 64 gig internal storage, twin front facing 3.6 watt JBL branded speakers. I'm really looking forward to that. We, we saw that we'll come to the HP Elite X3 in a minute, which are a similar spec. I think these are front facing stereo speakers make all the difference when you're trying to watch media on these devices. Um, 22 megapixel F over 2.0 camera. The specs go on. You can read them on the story. A sealed battery though, aluminium uh, build. 
they've already seen the Fierce XL, which I haven't had hands on, but I'm assuming you have, Rafe. So, so how is Alcatel's build? How is, how is their design? How is, do they make solid phones or is this a plastic monstrosity? I, I think it depends on the Alcatel phone you talk about. I mean, I think they've, they've found their, their feet in going after the mid-tier of the market and that kind of explosion of budget phones that we've seen in the last few years, particularly in the Android world. Um, and, you know, yes, this is kind of a, a brand that is representing a, a Chinese company and it doesn't quite reflect the history of the Alcatel name. But leaving that aside, um, some of the earlier ones I, uh, I saw the build quality wasn't great, but actually I've seen a couple of higher end uh, Alcatel phones recently um, from the Android world. And actually they've been, they've been pretty good. Um, I would say they feel quite samey with all those other Android phones. You know, it's the the slab of glass and plastic or uh, metal, depending on, on what you're talking about. So they don't quite seem to have that design language or consistency that you tend to recognize. It's certainly, it's something I thought, uh, knocking the Lumia line were always excellent at. You could kind of pick up a device and know who had made it. Uh, you're starting to see the same, you know, from uh, almost the more established, the more mature uh, manufacturers that they kind of seem to establish their design language. So, you know, you re- tend to recognize Samsung devices or HTC devices and even to an extent LG, but then there is this mass of second-tier manufacturers, which less easy to pick out but i mean the alcatel idol pro 4 looks very interesting it's almost like someone was listening to the podcast when we were talking about the jade <laughs> primo last when we said yeah, yeah it's, it's feeling a bit out of date now they kind of need to update it and, and lo and behold we get this device um, a couple of things i would pick out on the specs and on the picture which again it's not confirmed is the stereo speakers appear to be at opposite ends of the phone uh, judging by the speaker grills don't actually yeah. know that for a fact but that's a good thing having a bit of separation there and, you know, it, it's got all the right ingredients in terms of the main chipset and RAM. Um, as you said, you know, there's some stuff on the screen. I actually think it's it, it's good enough. Lots of nice internal storage. Um, and, yes, it'd be interesting to see what those JBL brand speakers actually mean. Um, but, obviously, it's good to see things like a fingerprint reader on there, the uh, continuum support, and a pretty decent-sized battery, all of which, you know, I think, you know, you said the specs were similar to the 950 XL. I'd actually, it, both this and the HP Elite X3 are higher spec than the, the Lumia 950. Now, whether they're quite as well tuned, you know, that remains to be seen, um, to be honest, because obviously that's something that yeah. uh, Microsoft and engineers were particularly good at and where we have seen uh, third-party matri- manufacturers fall down in the future. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, I look forward to to seeing this one um, emerge sort of a little bit more officially. Yeah, yes. Um, let's just say we don't normally comment on things which are out-and-out rumours, but this was not only leaked by multiple sources, many of which are reliable, it was also approved by the Wi-Fi Alliance, and there's a link in the uh, the story which you can follow through. Um, that was actually for T-Mobile in the USA, but I- I'm sure, like all the yeah. other Alcatel Idle devices, they will make their way across the world. So I think this one's more or less a shoe, and I think I suspect they're holding it to push it out around the timescale of, for example, the big Windows 10 anniversary yeah. update, that would kind of make sense. Yeah, I mean, that that seems right to me. And we've also seen the Idle 4S out in the market for a while. So in one sense, you know, this is Alcatel kind of taking advantage of the fact there is that mirroring now between the support for Android and Windows in kind of hardware terms and the device families. Um, and so it's kind of quite a known quantity in one sense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what tweaks there are, you know, in terms of, of hardware. It, it may be, and certainly some of the photos suggest very little indeed. Um, I, I did get my hands on the Idle 4S a while back. 
I can't remember very much about it because at the time it was just kind of another Android phone and I didn't really think about it as, you know, oh, this will be a, a Windows phone in due course. Probably teaches me to pay a bit more attention to uh, other phones so I can <laughs> try and remember something about them. But uh, I do remember thinking that uh, and this was talking about Alcatel back in Barcelona MWC. They had a, a pretty interesting range of devices. I mean, they were also doing interesting things with some of the packaging of devices, including a, a VR headset and, you know, had a pretty healthy, complete range. And sort of one of those manufacturers from that second tier that just stood out a little bit more. And obviously they, they see yeah, justifying continuing to do investment and development on, on Windows. So that's interesting in itself. Yeah, and just to look at these leaked specifications, I would emphasize that they are kind of leaked and rumored. Don't take them absolutely. I've done my best best attempt to try and sanitize all the rest <laughs> rumors and produce a, a specs list, which is believable. Uh, it does seem to be micro USB, though, at bottom, not USB Type-C. And that kind of ties into the fact that this reportedly has continuum support, but just wirelessly, like if, like the um, a few of the other devices which are, are coming out with this the lower spec checks, the chips, the Snapdragon 615, and 617, I believe, also have this wireless continuum facility. Uh, it, what's really needed, Rave, is to take this sort of spec, but put in a USB Type-C and add a desktop and a laptop. Now, that would make a really exciting device. If only we'd seen something similar. Oh, what an unsubtly slinky link to our next topic item. Are you going to talk about the HP Elite X3 now, Steve, by any chance? I might. I might indeed. Rafe and I were lucky enough to have hands-on with not only the Elite X3, but uh, also the, the the HB desktop, kind of their version of Microsoft's Continuum dock, and also the rather unique, uh, currently, the, the HP laptop, the new name for the old HP mobile extender, as it was when it was first launched. Um, I was quite impressed, really, by the whole afternoon. I was impressed by the hardware, despite the fact that some of it uh, was uh, demonstrably pre-production others was i think the phone itself was pretty close to retail i would say and so it felt very solid indeed just a few things people can read the full specifications on the on the site on my story but there are a few observations i made on those specifications which i think are worth talking about ray first of all the the screen was excellent and does include an anti-reflection coating it wasn't as good and as contrasty as microsoft's uh, the clear black display they inherited from nokia but it was still pretty darn good and it is gorilla glass 4 the snapdragon 820 people have said how was it faster than the lumia 950xl with the snapdragon 810 you really couldn't tell um g- given that this was running um pre- pre-release software effectively and it's also running threshold and my 950xl was running redstone it, i really couldn't do an accurate comparison but i it certainly seemed pretty darn speedy to me and i i, I can't imagine a snapdragon 820 would have any kind of lag really even running uh, Windows 10 Mobile. Um, the f- four gigabytes of RAM, obviously going to be good good and future-proof, especially doing those HP workspace applications and uh, using the uh, continuum uh, experience through to your enterprise apps. That's going to need as much RAM as it can get. And I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they put six gig- gigabytes of RAM, as we saw recently in the Android-powered OnePlus 3. That might have almost made sense. Um, the connectivity, they've absolutely got locked down. Um, you probably know this more than me, but a two by, two by 20 megahertz carrier aggregation category six and dual band Wi-Fi two by two MIMO. What the heck does that mean, Rafe? Uh, well, that basically means they've got the more recent versions of um, LTE in there. So you can actually combine two separate um, 
well, two, it's not two bands, but you're combining uh, two bits of spectrum together. That's what they mean by carrier aggregation. So okay. in theory, you can be twice as fast as just doing it with a, a single one. Um, I'm not quite sure what the maximum speed are, but actually the, the, the thing here is it's not necessarily going to be supported by your operator, but basically this will be as fast as it's possible to be for most of the kind of released smartphones and Wi-Fi. Nothing particularly um, special here, but again, kind of the latest version of the chipset that's available for mobile. I mean, what happens with uh, these is, you know, Qualcomm will typically pair their system on a chip with some kind of um, radio or some kind of modem. And what HP has opted to do here is basically get the, the latest, most up-to-date version and same for Wi-Fi. Um, so you're getting really bang up-to-date specs um, in contrast in the past, Nokia in particular, but also Microsoft, sometimes just lagged a little bit behind. You know, it, it wasn't the flagship Qualcomm Snapdragon processor. Yeah. You know, we saw it sometimes took a year or even 18 months for, for Windows to catch up, and this isn't the case here. And so, you know, we, we've kind of said it before when talking about the HP Elite X3. It's kind of, you know, it feels like they went along the component shelf and they picked everything out of the premium best you can get uh, bin because there's always obviously a choice when you're building a smartphone and you know you mentioned things like uh, Gorilla Glass 4 and the you know the screen but also that extends into things like the battery 4150 milliamp hours that's going to give you a pretty good go on uh, continuum or just ordinary battery life I mean no information on that yet but clearly that's going to do a, a day without too much trouble uh, things like the wireless charging supporting both Qi and PMA you know so that's good from that point of view so no worries with your existing access accessories uh, quick charge 3.0 just means you basically be able to get up to about 80 percent of that battery charged in around 20 25 minutes um, and even in the, the the camera itself you know that looks pretty promising you know f2.0 uh, a 1 over 2.4 inch sensor which translates to 1.3 micron pixels lots of uh, acronyms that steve can probably explain better than i can um, we didn't actually get a chance to try, try out the camera. There wouldn't have been a lot of point given, um, it was kind of, kind of prototype and we were in, uh, in an office meeting room. Um, but in terms of the raw hardware, that looks pretty promising. But as we've commented many times before, a lot of it is also down to the, uh, processing of the, the camera, you know, the rest of that camera stack in terms of the technology. And obviously, you know, some people are going to express um, sort of maybe be pessimistic because HP is not what you traditionally associate with doing uh, smartphone cameras. But I, I feel the hardware will be good enough here that it will make it a pretty decent camera, uh, particularly when you're in the kind of normal conditions where I suspect it may fall down. And this has probably been grossly unfair because we haven't tried it out yet, as I say. I suspect it may have a bit of a problem in the edge conditions that you know, the yeah, Lumias yeah. are so, so beloved for. And that's just really reflecting the amount of uh, engineers that uh, HP are likely to have, have devoted yeah. to this. But that feels like I'm being really picky because, as I say, actually the, the pure spec is pretty good, eh, Steve? Yeah. yeah, well, the positioning also of this phone, this is this is uh, uniquely and absolutely a business-stroke enterprise-focused phone. And the fact that a, a, a busy professional might also take a few snaps at the weekend is kind of neither here nor there really it will take very good photographs out of the back of the weekend with family but most of the time it's, it's going to take excellent shots in the in the meeting rooms you know perhaps using office yeah. lens for photographing whiteboards and presentations and so forth um 
they haven't gone all out in the imaging, but I absolutely understand they've gone all out in other ways, not least the speakers and the battery and the processor and so forth. So I, I think for once I can probably forgive them for not keeping up quite with the my my yeah. beloved ex Nokia hardware. <laughs> and I'd say we're being very picky there because it's still going to be amongst the best of the rest in all probability. Um, some of the other consumer things, actually the uh, Bang & Olufsen stereo speakers, that's an interesting one. You mentioned that earlier in the podcast. Again, really too early to tell, uh, but that sounds pretty promising in the quick quick uh, kind of go we had. Um, fills me with quite a bit of optimism for the, the final hardware. Again, you, know, you need to test this in real-world conditions over a long period of time. Um, but, you know, from a consumer point of view, but uh, I guess from a, an enterprise point of view, there is sometimes when you, you want that speakers if you're, you know, playing back uh, video or something in a presentation. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, despite what you say that, actually I feel this is a pretty consumer-friendly device as well, just because the specs are, are, are stonking. And, you know, the biometrics on it as well, you're getting the uh, iris, you know, the Windows Hello stuff that we've seen in the Lumia 950. But I'm particularly interested to see the fingerprint sensor on there as well. And it appears um, in settings you'll be able to choose between the two, whether you'll be able to choose both at the same time, not quite quite sure. But, you know, again, that just, it feels like, you know, the, the Windows 10 mobile flagship in terms of specifications, leaving aside design and who's yeah. done it, that kind of I wanted to see the first time round and why the 950 and the 950XL in some ways for those who are, are, are focused on specs was a bit disappointing yeah. we always say don't get obsessed by specs but i can't can't help but get slightly uh excited by the fact that this is going to be the highest spec windows device ever yeah absolutely um just to go back on a few of those you did mention the quick charge 3.0 i think you're slightly optimistic Eric. i think i believe 80 percent in an hour not oh, 80 percent in 20 minutes yes for a 4,000 milliampere battery, 80% of that, I think it will take the best part of an hour. But that is realistic, and we've seen that in other quick charge 3.0 devices. So, And that's a good benchmark, really. An hour on charge, and you basically get most of your charge back, assuming you're down to about 10% or 20%. So, yeah, looking forward to trying that out. Um, also, they mentioned the build uh, and, and the materials. It is a plastic back, but it's very solid plastic. It reminded me certainly of some of the Nokia plastics, and I think it was also kind of a soft-touch finish, so it appeared quite grippy. It certainly it wasn't shiny plastic but of course having a plastic build means you can't do get much better um, radio reception all those antennas all that all that connectivity and of course it does enable as you said that that she and the power mat alliance wireless charging so in this case there is a very definite reason for having plastics and i don't think anyone's really going to complain yeah i mean i think critically here it feels like a premium device um, and yes, you know, there are going to be those who prefer the metallic materials of the design, but just picking it up and feeling it in the hand, there's just that sense that you have bought something that feels a bit more expensive. Um, will it, the design be to everyone's taste? Uh, no, of course not, just as the kind of the bright colours that the Lumias became famous for weren't to everyone's taste. Um, you know, it's going to be available in black and you can have any other colour you like as long as it's black. Um, <laughs> But actually, it's just that immediate impact when you pick it up and go, yeah, this feels like a really, really solid device. But the thing that really kind of interested me is there was a lot of other things that appealed about this device. Because in one sense, I think talking about the specs, you kind of go, yeah, great, loads of people do that. Um, we'll talk about some of the accessories in a minute, but there is yeah. something I want to mention, which on the back of the device, you get uh, pogo pins. These are yeah. kind of, uh, I think, uh, four or five contact five, yeah. points on the back of the device where you can attach uh, sleeves or accessories and this would allow this device to become um and, and these are going to be coming from third parties there's kind of no news on this at the moment i think it's kind of actually quite forward looking of hp and they clearly see 
life beyond just a, a simple kind of enterprise smartphone for this. You'll be able to attach maybe a jacket that has uh, a scanner on it or some kind of uh, receiver, or I mean, it could be extra battery. It allows it to then be used for point of sale, for example. So you could be able to swipe a credit card or yep. for scanning inventory or a whole bunch of other retail, hospitality, you know, travel verticals, um, you know, or in maintenance. And um, I think if you've had a package delivered, you'll see a lot of kind of Windows devices have been used in the past as these kind of industrial kind of uh, mobility devices. And I say that because it's not really about them being smartphones. It's about them being portable devices that you can take out in the field with you or around the factory floor, or around the shop or whatever. And there's a lot of potential for this because of these pogo pins on the back for this device to be something of a chameleon and change into something else. Uh, and given Microsoft's track record in this area, I actually think that's very smart and very interesting. And, you know, in terms of the cost, yes, this is going to be uh, an expensive device it's at the high end for industrial applications. That becomes much less of a factor. So it'll be really interesting to see yeah. whether that is exploited. We have seen kind of industrial uh, Windows device in the past, and I've seen a few of them out in the field. Um, you know, always sort of slightly surprised when I, I, I see them, but, um, yeah, kind of a really smart decision by HP and they deserve a great deal of credit for being a bit forward thinking about that. And uh, it'll be really yeah. interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, absolutely. And going along with that, if you're going to start you throwing this thing around d- delivery vans and factory <laughs> floors, you're going to need something that's fairly robust. And I was I was really impressed by the fact they haven't just produced a smartphone that feels solid. They've done all the appropriate testing and precautions. So it's IP67 certified so for water and dust, which you don't always get these days. Um, certainly not among flagships um, and certainly not in Windows phones in particular. It's also mil-spec 810G shock resistant, which means you can repeatedly drop it, for, I think, from, from four feet onto a hard floor with no damage. Um, and that's going to be pretty important. If you've, if you've got a... You've seen how, how roughly some of the, uh, the enterprise users for these vertical uh, mobile computers and mobile computer hybrids are treated. I mean, some, I've seen some which the delivery drivers turn up and there are cracks and there's dust and there's corrosion. And they've been absolutely through the mill day, day in, day out week after week week after year after year and you'd have to hope that you know in this case they've pulled out all the stops they've gone the extra mile to make this elite x3 pretty darn durable um and yet it should be able to stand up to a good working life for two three four years going forward yeah and, and this actually does tell one of the interesting stories behind this hp elite x3 now elite is kind of a series of computing products that hp does and they actually all go through that kind of testing and it, one of the things you get with that elite brand is that kind of extra stand up to you know bad treatment and i'm not recommending you go out and throw your phone about or do whatever but it's a conscious decision on the part of HP to kind of meet those standards uh, within this lineup. And actually, you know, when you think about this from the smartphone world, you HP, you get a slight raised eyebrow, maybe. I mean, those who have been around a bit longer will remember HP's got a lot of history in this area. Yeah. Um, but most people will associate them with desktop computers and traditional computing. But uh, I, I don't think it's a mistake to think about that like this. And even with this device, you know, and that's a lot about the kind of the one device that's everything and all the continuum pieces, but also just HP approaching this as a computing manufacturer in the traditional sense. And so they will be thinking about the sales channel and distribution, the way they position this product slightly differently to a, a pure computing manufacturer. And given their audience is clearly focused on the enterprise, I actually think that's pretty smart because they will be able to take advantage 
of that. And you know, just as you know, some consumers will trust certain brands, enterprise have a, a trust for HP because you know it's one of those reliable things. Um, you know, the old joke in the enterprise, you, know, you don't get fired for buying IBM or for buying Microsoft. You know, from a hardware point of view, you know, HP is in much that same position, and so that kind of computing background I think is actually something that is a great benefit to this device but is going to be difficult for most consumers to appreciate and certainly the majority of people listening to this podcast aren't going to see that as a a good thing but actually I think it will be critical to the success in the way this device is positioned. Yeah absolutely and uh, you must move on but we'll link it slinkly in the fact that you said this device would be relatively expensive i mean they they gave us an off-the-cuff ballpark price which i won't quote but it was in the set roughly the same line as the initial rrp for the lumi 950 xl so make of that what you will but given that the 950 xl had a i would say quite an inferior um hardware bill of materials in terms of the uh, the, the the tolerances and you know remember the infamous squeaks for example and the fact that the this is ip67 and mil spec shock resistant and there's got metal parts and dual sp- front facing speakers um and the big battery and the faster processor to have to be in that same ballpark i think is actually quite impressive and even more impressive is the fact that we were told and this, this we can quote is that they're going to bundle it in many markets if you with the the desktop um, for £20 extra. So if you think then you, let's pick a ballpark price of, I don't know, 550 that's just, no, don't quote me on that, but if you then to get for 570 you get the Elite X3 and the desktop, uh, whereas Microsoft was selling their desktop continuum dock for something like £80, I think, initially. So and, and it's quite a sophisticated little gadget. You can plug an Ethernet cable into the back of it, for goodness sake, and give your Elite X3 and the full continuum experience your full Ethernet um, fast network speed. Um, do have a look at the photos in the article. But it's, it's, it's very analogous to the, the Microsoft dock, except the fact this, that you actually stand the Elite X3 up, so rather than have it attached by a wire, which has its own pros and cons. And I'm, I think maybe I'll come back to that in a future article. Yeah, but I was impressed by the desktop. Rafen, for £20 more, that's a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And like we say, these prices are all indicative. And so, yeah. you know, um, read that into what you will. But, you know, from the specs, you could probably make a pretty good guess at what's going to be a, a pricing that's going to be competitive and you'll, you'll pretty much be there. Um, the, the desktop in particular, I think, is aimed at people who have got it kind of permanently connected to a keyboard, mouse and, uh, and computer probably on a hot desk somewhere in a business environment or potentially, I guess, in the home as well. And, and in that sense, I think the form factor makes a lot of sense. I mean, clearly there is going to be a direct comparison with the uh, Microsoft Continuum. And like you said, that was I think about £100 at launch. And just to be slightly uh, defensive of the, the 950, which obviously you know, you're casting aside by the moment, Steve, um, most people <laughs> got the, uh, the the Continuum dock uh, for free when they were doing a pre-order yeah, yeah. and or via a special offer. But yes, notable is the um, the Ethernet port in the back it only has two USB ports rather than three, um, and it's actually powered by its kind of own own power rather than USB three, which is slightly irritating. And probably the big one, as far as consumers are concerned, is that uh, it's got a Display Port but doesn't have an HDMI port, which just makes it slightly trickier to connect to something like a TV. But actually, Display Port in the office environment makes sense because that's what most yeah. uh, monitors will uh, now connect to. And it's worth saying with that, of course, you can get adapter cables relatively easily um so you know all in all actually uh, uh pretty impressive and yeah this is i mean i think if you're buying something like the tech 3 it's going to be the must-have accessory but the one i really want to touch on steve <laughs> okay 
it's the lapdoc because it's kind of the first time we've seen it and we have talked about the concept. Uh, you, you've seen it in person now. Uh, I'll talk about my judgment in a minute, but what did you think? I was very impressed by the concept. I was very impressed by how it had been implemented. I, I was slightly apprehensive about the, how early that this was in terms of hardware. The trackpad was distinctly not not final, and it was very evident. This, and they they admitted this that this is um, very early pre-production. This is probably they probably only made a few dozen, if not a few hundred, of these worldwide to be tried out in the various sales channels and you know shown off to prospective customers. Um, but the overall solidity in the hand was very impressive. When it was closed up in particular, you'd think, yes, I, I could get this around every day. Um, and it feels heavy enough to be decent quality, but not so heavy that you wouldn't carry it around. And it, given that it's got a full 1080p display, which I was very pleased to see, some of these other laptops we've seen, like the Nextdoc and the I think the Acer one, they've been lower, lower resolution screens and, and very much a substandard experience once you've plugged in your phone. This gives you effectively a full 1080p Windows 10, you know, I wouldn't say laptop experience, but continuum experience. Um, and it's, it's just a high resolution screen and a high quality screen. I, along with that, I'm guessing will come a higher price and I'm fing finger in the air. I would guess at some, somewhere between 150 and 200 at the absolute outside. But uh, you know, that the, the quality and the feel in the hand and the use of metals in, in particular, um, I, I think they impressed me. And uh, if, if it was even if it was my own money, I think I might go out and get this because it absolutely transforms what you can do with your smartphone and not with a janky plastic um, accessory that's going to unsatisfy and that's going to fall apart at next week. This is, looks, looks like something that could actually last and will last years rather than weeks, Rafe. Yeah, and I, I really like the flexibility of this. You could connect to it either wirelessly or via a, a USB-C connection. Um, in the uh, latter yeah. case, you can actually recharge the phone off the, uh, I think it's 48-watt-hour battery. We don't know exactly what that translates to because of um, we don't, don't know the internal voltage, but it's likely that it will be able to power this laptop and then recharge the phone for a very significant amount of time. I, I'm imagining this could be anything up to 12 hours um, yeah. without too much difficulty, which means, you know, actually even for a couple of days use, you could take it on the road without having to, to take the recharging uh, stuff with you. And then actually it recharges via a USB-C cable. So, you know, in theory, actually, you can just take a single charge and it, it covers everything. I mean, there is a going to be a continuing debate over this before people start using it in the world. You know, if you're carrying something like the laptop, why not carry a, a separate laptop? But that then comes back to having all your data, all your applications unified on this uh, single instance. And you know, that's something that's pretty attractive. And, you know, it's been done before and it's what offers, but putting it in the, in the laptop form factor certainly gives a boost to productivity because it, it's the way people are used to working. And particularly when you think about, you know, entering in lots of data or using uh, line of business applications, as you say, uh, the hardware seemed uh, pretty impressive. Um, we really need to reserve final judgment because this is going to come out uh, presumably a little after the, the phone itself. Uh, and we've seen several of these laptop concepts, but this HP one was certainly the best I've seen. Uh, the keyboard was pretty good. The actual size of the trackpad, um, you know, it, it, it kind of ticked all the right boxes um, for me. And there were actually, you yeah. know, plenty of uh, ports down the side. So if you need to plug in other things, I think the kind of missing ingredient uh, for HP that they have managed to include that makes this stand out from the others is the inclusion of uh, a piece of software called HP Workspaces. And this is really significant because it allows you to run x86 applications. So stuff that would typically run on Windows can be run in a virtualized environment that's then accessible 
um, from this continuum mode. And that can be, uh, you know, via the desktop dock or it can be via this lap dock. So previously, the problem has always been for these kind of all in one devices uh, that, you know, it all works great, but you're just missing a few applications. Now, what this virtualization means is those last few applications, the ones that aren't available for the phone or aren't available for Android or iOS can be included and can be accessed. Now, clearly that does require a data connection. The fact it's sitting in the cloud has some implications for performance and things like that. Uh, but actually, I think it's a pretty interesting approach. And, you know, obviously it's a not uncommon thing to do in the enterprise environment to kind of have this virtual desktop or virtualization um, but it's just packaged together very nicely and it kind of answers at least partly one of the problems people typically have with these all-in-one uh, solutions. And so to, to me, it feels like a really, really neat package. Um, there's still some details to come about how that will work. Uh, it's obviously more set up for kind of the small, medium enterprises uh, than consumer users. Uh, but nonetheless, it, to me, that answers one of the, the big problems. I and mean, UWP has got us some of the way there, but there's always going to be those last applications you use. And actually, even something like Office is a good example, you know, maybe using pivot tables in Excel. There are some things that don't actually exist in the kind of the, uh, continual Windows 10 mobile version of Office, and that's actually true on iOS and Android as well. You know, you don't actually get the quite the full Office suite, but by using uh, HP Workspaces, you absolutely would be able to get this. So to me, that's really very impressive. And this all ties back into kind of the, the tagline for this HP Elite X3 is it's the one device that's every device. And certainly they've got the furthest along that road that you know was started with Microsoft in Continuum and was, was hinted at and has been kind of a bit of a, a dream for a lot of, I think, mobile geeks for a long time who wanted to use their device to do everything on the road. And if you marry that together with the, the price that we're talking about here, it starts to become really very interesting. A lot of that is enabled by the fact that Moore's Law means that all the processes and the internals have got to the point where the performance is good enough to realistically pull this off. But also the fact that Windows is built the way it is actually means the experience from the software and from the consumer point of view is, is pretty attractive. Until you know we get out there and use it in practice, it's, it's going to be hard to say. And I, I would add, it's not for everybody. You know, this is going to be a solution that makes sense for a certain set of users, but you can see that that would expand in the future. And HP has done everything it can yeah. to add on to Continuum with things like HP Workspaces with the right set of accessories to make it more attractive. And so that vision of kind of um, seamlessness between the experience across, uh, you know, phone, uh, kind of laptop and, you know, to a certain extent desktop as well um, and TV and all those other remote screens really feels like it came to life. And that's the thing I took out of this more than anything else. You know, yes, I'm looking forward to trying out the hardware because it's it's high end. But that that vision of the future of computing that Microsoft has spouse and you know, we talked about being very enthusiastic about it on the podcast. And it's it's not for everybody, you know, and I appreciate that. But I think there is a necessity to recognize that it is at least a bold, very bold experiment. And for some people yeah. it's going to be a really attractive and compelling solution. Yeah, yeah. Well, your comments welcome, gentle listeners, as to whether you go down the laptop route, uh, plus smartphone, or a Continuum-enabled smartphone and something like this laptop. For me, 
I, I'm very tempted by this laptop solution. The very concept of not having to mess around, you know, worrying about Wi-Fi tethering and get all Bluetooth tethering and, and it, the password not working and having to reboot the laptop to get the tethering to work or reboot the smartphone to get the tethering. To, I've been through that a number of times recently and had all sorts of problems. It's certainly not foolproof. So to have one device providing your logged in biometrically authenticated sessions and to all these services, all these applications, providing all the connectivity for whether it's the phone screen, the laptop screen, your monitor, desktop continuum monitor, whatever it is, the one device doing everything is just very attractive. And I can can absolutely see the use case. Whether I'm I'm perhaps not quite the right person because I'm based at home all the time and I have all my gadgets around me all the time. But if I was a road warrior, a genuine road warrior, this would be enormously attractive to me. Yeah, and you know, I think you have to come back to the cost thing. If you bought all the devices separately, it would be much more expensive. And you know, people listening to this are typically going to be pretty heavy computer users, and we've all got you know a laptop um, in, in most cases. And if not, probably you have a, a ready access to a desktop, and plus you have your phone. And so you're sort of going, yes, but it doesn't apply to me. And I think that that's fair enough. But you know, you kind of look at it through a, an enterprise mindset or someone who's kind of looking to you know update their solution you know it's a really interesting idea this i mean i think there's a lot of education of the market required and i think hp recognized that and i think consumers will probably not really be able to fully appreciate the benefits especially if you've already made existing investments in in kit but if you're a business maybe looking at um, giving out a phone but then wanting to make it possible for you know a field workforce to sort of update reports and do a little bit more you know it's a really interesting really interesting idea and i think hp have done a very good job implementing that vision um you know i I think the debate about is it the right vision and is it going to be a thing will continue um but actually i'm pretty impressed how out of the gate hp seem to produce something that i think will be you know one of the best implementations of this vision that i i've seen and not just you know in talking about continuum but in general this idea of you know using the smartphone as the brain that of a much wider computing experience and it does feel quite timely because of this all the cloud stuff coming in the performance is there thanks to the upgraded uh hardware or just moore's law you know, there's always going to be a debate is it quite ready there's always room for improvement but to me this feels the first one that, that really feels like it has a shot yeah and the next couple of days on all about windows phone i'm going to be reviewing a deluxe bluetooth keyboard with built-in kickstand and that's nothing new we've seen those for the last decade or so but this is very nicely done and it's 60 pounds and you think well however nice it is i'm gonna to have to prop up my lumi 950xl in landscape mode the start screen will only work in portrait so i'll be viewing the thing sideways i'll be reaching up to tap the screen and the phone will be wobbling and it's, it's going to be very unsatisfactory very hard to use on a lap if i could just think okay Okay, double the price. I don't care. Triple the price. I don't care. Just give me a lap dock like this and I can connect wirelessly or via a cable. My phone gets recharged. It's beautifully stable, full high-res screen, quality keyboard, proper trackpad, and it's a completely mobile office away from home. I'm, I'm just going to keep on ranting until the next couple of hours, Rafe, so we better call the podcast to a halt. Uh, I appreciate we're still in the initial enthusiasm stage, having just seen all this kit, but uh, I was genuinely impressed, and you probably tell that in the, 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 the style of the article, and I'm sure we'll come back to this in future podcasts, but I shall say goodbye for now and let Rafe sign off. Yeah, this is a good point to sign off. We didn't get through all the stories, so that's good because it means we've got plenty to talk about in the next podcast, which we'll be looking to do in a week or so. But hopefully we've given you a taste of some of the new hardware and, he says, our, our enthusiasm for that. We'll obviously be covering it much more in the future um, and we can expect to see that 
in due course. So thanks for listening and tune in next time.